48-hour art check, best of podcast. In this episode, Josh and I talk about... I completely blanked what we were going to talk about. That is why you fail. There's, there's, there's strike number one. What was our topic? It's because you switched modalities and now you're suffering from the... Uh, the task, the, the task switching task. penalty. I'm leaving that in. I'm not going to edit that intro. Don't fail me again. That's, yeah. that's perfect. So today we are going to talk about the task switching penalty. And the task switching penalty is something that I came across um, in an article and it made a lot of sense to me. What it is is this, is if you stay in a specific brain modality, then you can continue to switch things within that and you don't pay a penalty. But if you're jumping from creative to logical or you're jumping from something exceptionally mathematical and ordered to something chaotic, um, or even if you just get distracted because somebody walks by your desk and needs to ask you a quick question, which is one of the worst things about working in an office is that you could get into the groove and it doesn't matter how big your headphones are or what signs you put up. I literally had somebody one time, I put a portable whiteboard behind my chair in a bullpen with a sign that said, please do not disturb. They leaned around the chair, saw giant headphones, tapped me on the shoulder. I took my headphones off thinking this must be an emergency because this person is an adult who can read and can see with their eyeballs. And they said, hey, how's it going, Corey? And I was like, I want to punch you in the throat because that was it. I said, well, as you can see on the sign, I'm busy, but I'm doing great. Thank you. I don't know. Did you need something? I just wanted to say hi. That was one of the most infuriating experiences. So anyway, but with that, um, it's interesting. So here's the thing. When that happens, if you're in the groove, if you're really flying and things are flowing and you're moving and you're going and it just feels like you're firing in all cylinders, even that little movement, that little distraction, that momentary use of verbal communication can throw you off for up to, up to 18 to 20 minutes to where you get back into that groove. And so being in an office situation um, or being in a home office situation or being um, you know, in a situation where you have your phone vibrates or you know, there's a notification that goes on, as soon as your mind goes, ooh, you know, squirrel, then you are paying a task switching penalty. So, um, but the last episode, Josh, you talked about speeding that up because in, in, in your role as an art director, um, you have to go from negotiation to kind of internal politics, to motivation, to communication, to creativity. And those are all very, very different. Um, but you've been doing it now for several years and you said that you've gotten quite a bit faster at switching back and forth. You want to you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so what's what's interesting is there are um, things that I did kind of subconsciously because because my first year art directing and and this is something I've shared before but I'll share again. Um, like I when I when I first got the gig as an art director I panicked a little bit and I emailed a couple friends of mine who who had been one of them who had been my art director and. Um, just asked him like what do you like how do you do this you know yeah. <laughs> um and a lot of them were just like you know stay true to your team like be honest and try to just you know 
enjoy having your hair go gray. And um, and then I was like, "Are you kidding? Like, okay, haha." And they're like, "I'm literally uh, like, I'm I'm being serious. I'm I'm not joking. Your hair is gonna go gray your first year." And my hair started going gray. Like, I literally that was the first year I had gray hairs. And it sounds like one of those like weird, you know, stories that somebody might casually tell, you know. But no, it's true. Like, I I literally it was that stressful. Yeah, and and that was one of the biggest stresses of it, um, was like switching from like the creation side where you're doing graphic design and you're dipping into it to having to fix somebody else's creative work um, for for a salesperson and like communicate and calm them down and kind of get that going. That's still creative, but then while doing that being interrupted by staff who are like their conditioner is not working or <laughs> you know something like that um just fires constant little tiny fires that interrupt your day um to like working just analytics and data like data entry and political navigation and by the time a day would end you know my first year i also didn't delegate enough and so i would be there you know 30 minutes early and i would leave like four hours afterward right and it just burned me out like after a year of it but um there are things i kind of developed and i think kind of just almost out of a need for survival to kind of learn how to categorize things into little chunks we kind of talked about this a little bit before like the micro tasking thing i had talked about so if you're curious like listen to that episode but um but um i developed like little techniques to kind of help myself get in back in the creative zone um and and a lot of that is just batching things so like for instance like you know when approaching an art job where there's a lot of like data entry at the beginning just get the data entry all done in a chunk and then break and get to creative like doing things in bulk and chunks and then not being afraid to kind of see it through to a logical stopping point um is is a really good way but also like priming yourself which is weird but like meaning um if you get in a creative workflow where you're like i need eight hours undisturbed to get this thing done perfectly and you're in an office environment you're going to be sorely disappointed and frustrated Um, if you go into it thinking realistically I'm going to have 15 minutes of this before somebody comes by and says hello (laughs) and and then I'm going to have to have a natural pausing point and like I'm going to have to have a way to get back into gear kind of like pre-planning it um, can actually allow for that kind of thing but also just being in it and navigating switching kinds of thought um, you do get quicker at it. You get more effective at it. And I think it's akin to, I mean, I don't want to compare it to war and like a, um, like it's not like being a soldier, but you do hear these stories of people having to fire on all cylinders at war. And when they get out of war, kind of missing war because they're so on, like all your right. instincts have to be on. Um, it's like that, but not as dire. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> but it's very similar. Where 
you get kind of used to living in this um, period of time where you're running a team, you're focused on aesthetics, you're focused on politics, you're focused on details, you're focused on the whole and the specific, and you're kind of switching cylinders and gears um, to the point where you, you do kind of get quicker at it, but when it's over, there is a little bit of a cost. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's specific enough, but that's well, also, to me that's kind of what's been interesting about it. It's kind of like you're you're gonna pay that price, whether you pay yes. it in the moment or whether you pay it later. But you're gonna pay that price because I I remember uh, doing two different things uh, as as an art director. Um, one was that I would sequester myself. And, uh, and I just told everyone I'm going into a cave and I can never do it for a full day, um, but I could do it for half a day, you know? And, and it wasn't at first that I was able to do this because when I first showed up, everything was on fire. There were no procedures or policies. Um, anyone could just walk in and demand anything of my team. And it was, it was a ridiculous, chaotic nightmare. And it took yeah. me about 18 months to train my team and to train the rest of the company how to interact with my team to the point where we could anticipate needs and um, yeah. and and serve them up early in a timely manner, in a reasonable manner, instead of uh, always being reactionary, we became proactive. Getting, getting my team and the rest of the company to that point allowed me to say, okay, everyone's good, okay, if you need me, um, and it's an absolute emergency, uh, then you can bug me. But other than that, um, I need to, I'm going to work on the branding for this thing. Like we would, we would build a brand new line of guitars and we would have to brand it. And that's not like brand identity is not something that it's like an autonomic process and you can knock it out in 45 minutes. It's, no. it's, it's a, it's an exploration. And so, um, I, I would go in and I would say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I would go in and I'd, I'd have four hours. Um, I, either either situation, either where you're putting out a bunch of fires and you're handling a bunch of different stuff and you're juggling and, and whatever. And I feel like as an art director, you're often the, uh, the kind of meat shield for your team. I always felt like there was just arrows flying yeah. in a constant barrage. And I was the shield that would just make sure that the people behind me didn't know that there were arrows and that so that I I would take all those hits and I yeah. would pay all of those penalties so that my team could continue to be productive. Um, and then on the flip side, when you do get those those kind of moments where I can batch a large chunk of time, it both has the same effect. And, and what my wife and I described it as is sometimes I would come home differently um so for example uh you know routines are super helpful with task switching we talked about this before where you know i dedicate a space and a time to my art and so um my my mind mentally is prepared it's the same thing like my home i am not in charge my wife is not in charge like we are we are co-equal in our relationship in 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 every way that we can possibly be and uh and so it's it's inappropriate in my relationship for me to come home and start barking orders, but at work 
Um, I'm in a clear hierarchy where there are people above me, there are people beneath me. And to make sure that everything's a well-oiled machine, I would be like, I need you to do this, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do this. What do you need? Okay, this is what I've got. This is what, okay, great. I'll do that. And sometimes I would get home if I like got home too quickly, uh, you know, it didn't hit any traffic and I didn't have like that time to mentally switch. Um, I would get home and this is very early on in my marriage and I'd be like, all right, honey, I need you to do this and I need you to do this. And she's like, whoa, I don't work for you. You know, yeah. let's, let's try this again. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm still in work mode. Like I hadn't switched yeah. over. And so, and we got to the point where as soon as, as soon as she was like, hang on. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong mode of thinking. I would just need to say, I'm sorry, I was in work mode. Let me let me take that again. She wouldn't be offended or hurt or anything. She would just yeah. recognize that I needed to switch. And I'd switch gears and I would say, um, you know, so I, I wanted to talk to you about this and we need we need kind of a solution. And I don't know what you think, but um, I was thinking something along these lines. And it was a more of a peer conversation. Yeah. And so it was kind of an interesting thing for for a little while there. And now, now I'm much better. I, I you know, uh, I'm able to identify home as home and work as work and, you know, play as play. And, and it's an interesting, but it was interesting for a while that my modalities, I, I was not aware of the need to be able to control when you switch. And it bled over a negative way into my life and would do the yeah. same if I were to act like I was in a family at work. Because people would yeah, be like, we're not that familiar. Like, I'm not your friend. You know, we're coworkers. Yeah. And so it's kind of an interesting kind of an interesting thing. But you do pay the price, yeah. whether you pay it in the moment, which is what which is what I typically do, or after the fact where there's there's a there's a long time period where you're like, ah so yeah. Yeah, I mean my <clears throat> my after payment's kinda weird because by like like the, your description was very apt where it's just like you're kind of like do this do this you know by fires i just meant like little things like yeah. every little thing that can go wrong in an office the server's right. out okay like you have to just you don't have time to like sit and assess it and think about all the different options it's like you have to do that very quickly yeah and yet you have to think long term and short term and make split second decisions that are hopefully accurate and um, and be confident in them so you can lead people because if you don't have confidence, you're not going to lead. Right. But also not too confident because you don't want to miss a potential red flag that you know you might be making the wrong call. You know you always want to be open and definitely rely on those team members that'll tell you when you're making the wrong call. You know. Yeah. Um. But uh. But the but the point being like all of that's going on all that jumble, <clears throat> and uh, my first year was terrible as you were describing yours. Because I did have to restructure things, um, not only just for the company, but for my own management style. Right. And and that's that's any first time manager, you have to really like figure out the way that it's going to work for you to lead these people. Um, but when I get home, I'm processing so many things and I'm having to think so quickly on my feet that there is just this on my commute home, my brain is like in a scramble, and so intellectually i know i'm functioning at like 40 percent um right. which is very frustrating for someone like me who like I'm, i love reading right. i love getting really engaged i love philosophy <laughs> i love like studying history and stuff like that 
and there's this like kind of disconnection that I feel um, on my route home and even with my art like I really have to force myself to engage because my brain has been firing so many different modalities for eight sometimes 10 sometimes 12 hours um, just non-stop until I'm out yeah. that by the time I'm back, it's like the the modalities have almost like beat each other up and the brain's just not functioning. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, to me, that's the payment that I still feel. Um, at first I did have a very similar thing too, where, you know, the, the work home structure was really hard to get used to, especially cause my wife and I, like the majority of my, my, um, our relationship, I, I had been, I had been running my own business. She was kind of the person who would go off and, work somewhere yeah and i would be you know holding down like you know my own end but from home and so it was such a weird switch to kind of be the person who had to get engaged in office culture and get used to like mornings and stuff like that but it's but it is fascinating how that that very quickly that same exact challenge you were describing very quickly happened with us as well where it's like i'm not i'm not the manager here you right know? um and I'm, it's actually a relief because it gets very tiring being the manager. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's nice not to have to be making all the calls because sometimes that's, that's, you know, that's one of the downsides too of the whole thing. So it's, I don't know, it's fascinating, but the one thing I'll say about the penalty is it is flexible. It's not, it's not impossible to switch right. gears. And I think most of it has to do with organization um, and routine. So it's like if you organize, if you batch things to where it's like you know there's a bulk of your day that's going to be spent doing data entry, come up with a routine, like a flow, like where you're like, okay, you know, I do email time, and then I do data entry time, and then I do design time, and then I cycle through it, you know, through the whole thing. Once you kind of come up with a cycle like that, that could even be a 15-minute cycle that I just described where you're switching to three different modes of thinking. And once it's, it, once it becomes a flow, it becomes like a workflow and it's doable. It's the only thing that like, like Corey was describing that can kind of mess that up is when you're in that flow, if, if there's a spoke in the wheel, yeah. um, which is the like, Hey, how's it going? And you're like, I'm in this flow. Like do not mess this up because it's hard to do this thing. And now I'm, juggling 20 things. So I don't know. Um, there, there's I also, definitely think that's, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just say, there's also a way to use this to your advantage. Um, I, I have not gotten good at this, but one of the things that I've been attempting to do, um, and, and at times when I'm, when I'm able to hit it, it works really well. You can use the task switching penalty to, um, to help you continue in a process. And, and the, the way that I've heard this described and the way that it works for me is there's a law of decreasing returns, right? Um, and, and, and it's just, it's just a fact of life that if you spend too much time at the drawing table, your effectiveness uh, begins to diminish over time. If you never take a break, if you never get up, it's little things like your back starts to hurt, you start to get a knot, yeah. you start to get a kink, your mind wanders a little bit more than it should. Um, but it's also like the law of diminishing returns is also like you mow your lawn in one direction, you get 85, 90% of the grass cut, 
you can cross cut it a second direction, but you're usually not going to cut it at a 45, a third, because there's just not enough return, right? And so one of the yeah. one of the things that I've heard people do with this task switching is you you set a time like 20 or 30 minutes, and then you you set another time. So you're using like an interval timer, so that you are hyper productive for 20 minutes, and then you take a five minute break. And you do some push-ups or some pull-ups or get a drink of water. You, you stand up, you stand up, move around, but you only do that for five minutes. And then you can hit and you can go 30 minutes again. And then you take another five-minute break. And if you're doing this, you know, and you go three or four rounds and then you can take like 30 to 45 minutes for lunch or something like that, um, you can stay on a level of productivity that's significantly higher because you're not hitting... Um, a penalty because it's planned, but you are also not getting the law of decreasing returns because you can you can do these sprints, but you can't sprint a yeah. marathon. And and that's been something I've been trying to get better at is is using this task switching to my advantage rather than being beaten up by it. Because I can take yeah. that five, ten minutes and get some of my physical needs out of the way as far as you know, some pull-ups, some push-ups, some food, a drink or whatever, um, and then hit it again. And I'm kind of energized based on that switching. Um, yeah. But it can't be irregular. It can't just be like whenever I feel like it. It can't just be like, oh, man, I've been here for a little while. I'm going to wander around my house for three hours and then, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, or I'm just going to play a video game for a couple minutes, which is something I do all the time. I'm like, I'm just going to take a little break and reward myself. I don't move out of my chair. I pick up a controller and that's, that's me for the night. That's like six hours later yeah. and I'm like, oh crap <laughs> yeah so. i i think that is why one of the reasons i started like you know implementing like exercise into my routine too because when when you you know like have as long of a commute as i do and as long of hours as i work which by the way <clears throat> is short compared to a lot of people sure um like i i you know i know a couple people who who work construction and like when i think i worked a lot of overtime i'm just like you know, I wasn't like like welding a giant heavy item and having to right. bang it against stuff like for, you know, 10, 12 hours, you know. Yeah. I'm just clicking a mouse, you know, or using a Wacom. So it's like um, – but but uh, implementing like exercise into the routine when I get home, not only does that give me like a little boost of energy, but it does give me a little bit of a break. And then actually it's really – weird but like the thing that is also a huge return as corny as it is to like say you should spend time with your family and stuff like that yeah. I mean that's a trope but it's true but then there's also a return of that because when I'm forced to actually pause the working life and then play like PJ masks with my kid yeah, you know like and today we built robots and like out of like these foam building blocks and the robots were attacking all these things in his room and like doing that and then getting back to art it's like it 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 does help that that switch to get back to like okay now i get to work on my stuff you know right um and not only that it also reminds me to play which is really important for personal projects because if you forget about play it's like you forget the whole purpose of like a lot of this stuff yeah um for sure which is why i still think Scott Sirkling should come on our channel and tell us his thing about story because I think a lot of it had to do with play and I think I think that's actually an element we we kind of waxed over so we should have 
We should which, have him back on. Which I think is true for us, because I do yeah. enjoy doing it, and it is a fun thing to do storytelling, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what that is. And this is a topic that I want to hit later on, um, which is um, society's negative feelings towards fun things. When I think fun things are super important, like for example, um, a lot of people in the community here have answered the question of why do you tell stories or whatever, almost excusing themselves for telling escapist fiction and telling silly stories, and it's like. Thank heavens that you're doing that because I would hate to live in a world where everything is serious and yeah. boring. Like, I don't like watching horror movies. I don't enjoy dramatic things because I get enough of that in my life. I want it, like, as a matter of, like, living as a human being, I want to be able to enjoy something. So, you know, it always it always bugs me a little bit that people are downplaying you know, the fact that they're not doing something quote-unquote important when it's like just because you've got anthropomorphic animals going around goofing around in your comic does not mean that it's not important. It means it's fun, which might make it way more important than some super serious, you know, political diatribe or something because, like, otherwise, why are we here? I don't know. I feel like we've now... I'm ranting. We've we've kind of gone off into the woods, but no, no, no. I <clears throat> I think that should be a topic, though. Maybe fun should just be a an actual topic we we hit on. So yeah. um, it's funny. We just in the chats. There's uh, Scott, um, who's a, a frequent supporter and in, in front of the show, is saying in the chats. He's kind of he's like proselytizing for us. It's awesome. Yeah, we've got, we've got um, somebody new. We've got Spencer George. We have a new guest, uh, Spencer George, who's, who was asking kind of what, what this whole thing was about. And I can't add much to what Scott said. Like, what Scott said in the chat's pretty dead on. Though he's so, making me um, sound way cooler than I am. So I that's that's totally nice. Awesome. That's nice of him. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but so. uh, Spencer said, accountability is a hot topic for me. I'm a third-year art student. Setting time aside for personal projects is becoming increasingly difficult. So yeah, so Spencer, you you got to join in, do a 48-hour art check. Spencer um, and I would, I, 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 I'll let you a little bit know about who Josh and I are. Um, we've both taught at the collegiate level. Um, Josh is now an art director um, for a promotional company and, and runs um, this comic and auto bio. And, and I've gone from being an art director, illustrator, designer, photographer, video guy, to uh, teaching college and, and doing things on the side. Um, if you're looking for uh, some motivation on those personal projects, uh, we both have several videos on our YouTube channel where we kind of do these video essays or little conversations about that. Um, and, and, and you should check that out. Um, but we would love to have you, love to have you involved. And, and for anybody listening and watching, um, you know, I think sometimes we assume that everybody knows what's going on. So it's really good that you said, yeah, I don't know what this is. It seems intriguing. Uh, the 48 hour art check is a fascinating little experiment that Josh and I started. And what it was, was we were doing these, these sprints, uh, on our personal projects where we'd, 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 we'd go really hard and then burn out and then take some time off and then go really hard and then burn out and take some time off. Um, and both of us were working on kind of more longer form things. Josh, way longer than mine, uh, which my, my most recent children's book I've wrapped up um, and I'm shopping around now. But we said, hey, we should come up with a system where we can just do a little check-in. Just do a little check-in. And it has been phenomenal. We, we've both been doing this for a long time. 
And this is the most consistently productive that I've been on personal projects. And the way that it works is this, is you find somebody else, it does, they don't have to be doing the same thing as you, but you find somebody else who is also trying to work on a personal project. It, it doesn't even have to be in the same medium. It could be music and you're doing art mm. or whatever. And you meet, we like doing it every 48 hours for a number of reasons, but basically you meet, there's some people that do it weekly. There's some people that do it every two days. Um, and you just go over three things. You just say, hey, what have you done in the last 48 hours? What was hard about that? What was challenging? What did you overcome? And I think that part is really important to acknowledge that it's difficult. And then the third one is, what are your plans? What are you going to do in the next two days before we meet again? The interesting thing about doing that is it levels out the level of production so that over a period of time, you're getting way more done. But in any given day, it's not this like, you know, neuron, all or nothing, feast or famine, you know, kind of freak out or, or crash situation. And it's, it's been a, it's been great. We're now, this is the 76th time that we've met doing this. And yeah. so that's, that's quite a few months of doing this consistently and we haven't missed. I don't think we've missed yet. Yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, it's, it's been really helpful and it, and it definitely, um, you know, when you say publicly, a plan and two days later you have to actually answer to it it's you know um, it, it, it does something really weird psychologically that makes you get stuff done so there have been multiple times that like an hour before we go on I'm like hustling so that I have something to show right and that's good I mean that's like that's a really good thing because that's an hour of work or you know a half hour whatever amount of work that I wouldn't have have had done Right. And, and like the so. other the other day, um, a friend of mine was on the show and we were talking afterwards and he's aware that I'm that I do this and that it's a non-negotiable. And uh, we talked till like one thirty in the morning. And as he was leaving, he said, uh, so you're going to go do some art now? And I said, yeah, I, I got to do it before I go to bed, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and he kind of kids me about it. But the, the people in my life that understand me understand that that my creation is a non-negotiable and the 48 hour art check yeah. is kind of part of that. And then we also take this and we take the conversation portion of it. We cut that up and we put it into a podcast. That podcast is available on Spotify, Google play, iTunes, Stitcher, kind of wherever, wherever those are. And you can, you can see those podcasts with the podcast notes kind of in the, in the order that they are um, on Josh's YouTube channel. It has a playlist, my YouTube channel, I have a playlist and you can go to coreycurecom slash 48HR. Um, and if you haven't yet, like and subscribe here in the show notes of this video. You can see Josh's channel, like and subscribe there. And then uh, also, wherever you get your podcasts, um, leave us a review because it really helps to kind of spread the word. And, and our goal is to not be the only people that are doing this. Like Scott mm -hmm. in the chat, he's meeting with somebody doing it. Um, and it's super awesome. Um, and Scott is mentioning that uh, there's there's like 100 days of something is super helpful. Um, you know, there's a number of different challenges that, that can be really good. And we can we can kind of hit that on, a, on another day, another topic. We've kind of yeah. talked about it before. But appreciate everybody in the chat. Any any closing thoughts, Josh? I'm just glad to see our community and glad to see uh, new people showing up in the chats. And it, it always makes this really fun. Um, I am kind of curious, like, you know, what – uh, like, you know, for those of you listening or like in the chats, like what do you guys do to kind of more effectively switch um, modalities to try to kind of limit that that cost 
that you have to pay every time you're, you're kind of taken out of the zone or out of like the, the thinking mode that you're in. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like if you don't have a strategy, should you have a strategy? Like, let, let me know like what you guys think. I'm, I'm curious. Thanks for listening. As always, you can check us out on Josh's YouTube channel and my YouTube channel, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 p.m. California time. We go live and we'd love to have you in the chat. If you want to see where and when those things happen, you can go to coreykerr.com slash 48HR. You can just Google 48-hour art check. And uh, we'd love to see you. So check my stuff out at coreykerr.com. Check Josh's stuff out at quarterlystories.com. And we will see you guys in a couple days. I forgot one more thing. If you're enjoying listening to this, hey, leave us a review. It takes a couple minutes on your part, and it really is helpful for the show. It's it's an amazing help to the algorithm to be able to kind of introduce new people to this show. And so go ahead and leave us uh, however many stars there are. Go all the way right and click that star on the right and say something positive. We'll catch you guys later. Game over.